Welcome back, everyone, to Taboo Topic for your weekly review edition. I am your host, the one and only Ken Drew. Joined this week by the new podcaster, Red Girl in a Blue World. Uh, her name is Nikki. She's a first-time guest, so by all means, let's all get give her some love and give her some grace as well, since this, she's new to the political world. As we discuss mandates, considering the military and the lawsuit going to the Supreme Court, what does that mean for military members? Then we also get into the CDC withholding information. What do they have to hide? Then, of course, we have to get global with Russia and the Ukrainian situation. Is it really our business to know what's going on over there? Why should we care? Nikki and I get into it. And then we also get really heavy on the discussion of abortion. Thanks to the Colombian Supreme Court ruling that women can get an abortion up to 24 weeks. We get very heavy into that conversation. Then last but not least, we do end it on a more positive note. Talking about an NBC reporter leaving her job to help a campaign, a Republican, as a matter of fact, to win back the governorship in Minnesota. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break to get the show started. First off, I think it's, it's, it's not even right for them to threaten to kick them out uh, for the for the fact that they're not getting the vaccine or, or, or for them to look at them and say that, hey, you know, you're going to get out for an other than audible discharge. Uh, this is something that came up. This mandate came up after they came in. Uh, look, if the religious exemption is out there, then uh, they should get the religious exemption. If the military doesn't want to accept that, they should let uh, they should let this service member uh, transition out uh, at, at, at the end of this and, and go on about their way if this is how the military wants to hold this. The CDC has collected stockpiles of critical data on COVID hospitalizations and booster shots, but most of that information has not been made public. That's according to a report from the New York Times. Specifically, the CDC has yet to publish its data on hospitalizations broken down by age, race, and vaccination status. The agency also has not released information about the effectiveness of boosters in adults under 50. A spokeswoman for the CDC told The Times the agency has been reluctant to release certain data because they fear it could be misinterpreted. And welcome back to Taboo Topic, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Ken Drew, per usual, and I am now joined by, for first time ever, she started her own podcast recently. I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hi, everyone. My name is Nikki. I'm the host of a podcast called A Red Girl in a Blue World. Third episode just came out yesterday. So definitely tune in every Thursday. We have a new episode. It's just about me expressing my conservative values. I'll have a new guest every week to just talk about like the difficulties of kind of being a conservative in this more of a liberal society, but we touch on things in civics, pop culture, kind of everything. So tune in. Awesome. Now I do have a question. I'm very curious to hear how did you come up with the name red girl in a blue world? What, what exactly, what environment are you in to where you're blue, you're in a blue world? Okay. So I went to school near a city, near and there, my school was very liberal. And I just feel like in college in general, that's more, you're surrounded by more liberal ideals than you are conservative ideals. 
And the name, it really came. I was on the phone with my sister telling her this idea. And I was like, oh, we'll brainstorm a name later. And she was like, it could be something maybe like along the lines of a red girl in a blue world. And I was like, oh, wait. That's really good. I love that. <laughs> and then we didn't change it after that. So that's how it came about. So it was like a coincidence. You weren't really trying to look for a name. And then she said it. And they're like, you know what? I actually like the ring yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it happened. It's awesome. Well, um, what you may call it. So as I've expressed to you before, uh, we so how the show goes, how we run down this particular edition is uh, I'll run a synopsis and then I'll give my initial reaction for the story and then I'll hand the floor over to you afterwards we'll go ahead and let you give your story and then vice versa so you ready to go yeah let's do it all right so for this one let's set the scene for this story because to me it hits home I was in the service for six years of my life uh, active duty uh, till this past September, I have friends who are still in as well. So obviously it has a direct impact on them. And, and yes, as if we haven't talked enough about vaccines in our society, uh, vaccine mandates in the military started to enforce around the summertime. Uh, I personally was lucky to be on terminal leave, uh, not to insult my audience's intelligence by any means. But uh, that's, for, that's leave for people who are in transition of getting out of the military. That's all it is, which I had roughly 80-ish days. <laughs> that's a lot of days. Yeah. Um, but I was still getting paid, so it was awesome. But Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. My last day of work was the last week of June. Maybe uh, July 6th was the last day I put my uniform on for the whole process of, like, filling out paperwork to make sure and let the military know was it coming back. But um, before I went on full-blown vacation, um, I was in San Antonio at the time. I, however, I stated it was during my leave that the Department of Defense decided to make the COVID vaccine mandatory in order to continue serving. Now, this has led to service members being discharged. As of right now, I think it's a general discharge, which there has been some rumors that they'd get dishonorable discharge, which would affect certain constitutional rights, such as owning a gun and lose of benefits, for example. If I was dishonorably discharged, I wouldn't be able to use the GI Bill like I am right now when I go to school, mm -hmm. nor would I be able to qualify for USAA insurance. Uh, however, according to my own friends who are still in, it's just a general discharge. So that's good news. That's a silver yeah. lining. But uh, it's causing a lot of people to get out as a result. Good service members who deserve to be in, and they're being kicked out just because they're not getting the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a story in Oklahoma where the Department of Defense was threatening their state's National Guard to uh, lose its status as such because they refused to make their uh, Guard members get the vaccine. And so the DOD was like, no, 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 don't do that or else you'll lose. You'll be considered a militia group, which I haven't kept up with the story there, but I'm sure it would have made headlines if they actually followed through with that. Yeah. Now, with that said... That's how the controversial mandate has, that's how controversial the mandate has been. Um, it's also been reported that the military has predominantly rejected religious exemptions, which leads to today's story from the Air Force Times. So 60 members have filed lawsuits, which started in Texas by a group of Navy SEALs, Navy SEALs, excuse me, 26 in fact, arguing the Supreme Court that their First Amendment rights are being denied, in particular, has in, Navy, the Navy in particular has unanimously 
denied all religious exemptions according to the lawsuit. And I quote from one of them on that side of the lawsuit, through much prayer and reflection, plaintiffs sought wisdom, understanding, and guidance on the proper decisions to make concerning these COVID-19 vaccines, and plaintiffs been convicted by the Holy Spirit that accepting any of them that currently available vaccines is against the teachings of scripture and would be a sin, according to a Florida lawsuit first filed in late of 2021, then amended February 7th of this year. Now, according to the Air Force Times, the goal of the representatives for plaintiffs say is to, is to secure religious exemptions for the clients, but potentially see a Supreme Court ruling that would apply to all service members. Also, their objections to the vaccine fall into the four, one of four categories, according to the complaint including opposition to abortion and the use of fatal cell lines and pharmaceutical development, belief that body modification violates their religious principles, direct divine instruction not to receive the vaccine, or decline to inject trace amounts of animal cells into one's body. The primary protest centers around fatal stem cells, which may or may not have originated with the aborted pregnancy. Researchers cultivated these cells for generations using their Driviats to create or test all manners of pharmaceutical products. Simply put, no actual fatal cells were used in the development of any of the COVID-19 vaccines. The cells in question were replaced by scientists in labs from tissue harvested previously. Uh, as of now, a total of 12 service members, nine airmen, three Marines, have gotten the approval for religious exemption. To put that in perspective, when I did the math from the website Statistica, there is currently 2.4 million service members right now. That includes active duty, reserve, guard, enlisted, and officers. So that's just to kind of put in perspective just how many rejections it has received and how, un how hard it is right now. Uh, the story from the Air Force Times goes on, but we get an idea what's going on, I would say. <laughs> um, so my initial reaction is that I guess the first thing that comes to mind is everyone that's been discharged and try to go through the process of legally not getting the vaccine and still get rejected despite that. Mm -hmm. It sucks for them because you were given this ultimatum of your livelihood or become unemployed, which depending where you live geographically, AKA blue States, this may be harder to find, to find a job, especially. Yeah. Um, and like I said, in blue States, particular, that's where a lot of these lockdowns are still taking place or these strict uh, mandates and protocols where jobs won't hire you unless you get the vaccine. It's really hard. Um, with that said, it's not a popular mandate within the military. In fact, before the mandate, less than half the service member had gotten the jab. I remember when I was still in and having the conversation whether any one of us would get it. There was about six people at most during the time, but, but for the most, there was like four people. But regardless, every time it was brought up and we and we had to answer whether or not we we're going to get the vaccine. We all said no. It was so formal. We even had to get sign a document stating we weren't interested in getting the jab. Um, wow. That's yeah. <laughs> that's how create. That's how strict it was. But I'm not surprised they made it mandatory considering the number of jabs you must get and you must get while you're still in, especially in the beginning, regardless, regardless. Um, but Forget the Constitution for one second here. This is still an experimental vaccine. Mm -hmm. That means it falls under the Nuremberg Code, which protects people from taking part in any scientific experiment. The military 
falls should follow Nuremberg Code protocol. Uh, and yes, it's an experimental vaccine because we have no long-term studies done so far. And the FDA refuses to give out potential long-term effects until we're in our 90s, basically. I think it was like 70 plus years, oh something goodness. like that. It was ridiculous. Um, but if God wills, it will be in our 90s by the time we actually get the long-term effects of the COVID vaccine. But point is, it hasn't been out long, and there isn't transparency. Therefore, I think the Supreme Court must at least grant them religious exemption. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. at least, I, I think I'm losing 100%. my mind. <laughs> no, 100%. I wish you could see my face right now because I am, my my mouth, my jaw's been dropped the entire time we've been talking. Like, I'm just in disbelief yeah. that this is happening to people who are willing to put their lives out there for our country. It's that they're forced to put this experimental vaccine into their bodies. And-, and- Go ahead. Sorry. 12 out of two, I think 0.1 million. Like that's, that's not right. That's just not right at all. I mean, what happened to bodily autonomy? And I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about the abortion version, which that's a story we'll get into later, but this is about just as simple, the right to decide what chemicals get injected into your body. I mean, I guess you already kind of got, gave me some of your initial reaction, but if I remember correctly, I think I heard a story from one, your own podcast where mm-hmm. your dad actually faced a similar scenario where it was either either his livelihood or getting the jab. Am I right? Yes. And I wrote that down as you were talking. I was taking some notes and I wrote that like, yeah, my dad was in that situation, which pushed me to do my podcast. That was the last straw for me. And if people saw what he was going through, the amount of stress he was under, I like his company already he had enough stress from his company and then you add all this experimental vaccine or thing with this company who already he disagrees with many different things but it's it's just so crazy and you said talking about the vaccines like altering your body and it's funny this past semester I had a class, a biology class, and we were talking about genetic, uh, genetic mutation. Um, no, uh, I think not diversity, but genetic. Uh, gosh, oh, class re- science class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm sure it'll come later on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish I could grab my binder and get my notes, but literally one of the questions on our exam was the mRNA vaccines for COVID are an example of this. And I think it was, a. Oh, I need to look this up. I think it was genetic. I can't remember. It's really, not, it might come to me like in 25 minutes, which is fine, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it is genetic. It's changing parts of your body. Like it's literally changing it. And I learned that in science class and I wish I could remember the name, but I can't. So, so it's, so let me ask you this. Have you actually gotten the vaccine? It sounds like you haven't. And no. why not? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I, well, as a female, this being very experimental, I did not feel comfortable knowing that it could affect like my reproduction. I was not willing to risk that for really anything. Like in school, I did get a religious religious exemption which was which was good but wait 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 a minute the school actually tried to make y'all get the jab as well 
Oh yeah. My, my university, it, it did. It was, you had to get a medal, medical exception or a religious exemption. And at first you just had to like check a box religious exemption. But then in November or October, like right after Delta, they had us type up a paper of why we deserved the religious exemption. I was granted it. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I was granted it again. Thank goodness. But yeah, we had to type up a paper, which I think they just did it to because people are lazy. College students are lazy and they didn't want to write the paper. So then they'd have to go get it. And I don't know the stats like before and after this paper we had to write. But yeah. So anyway, like being a female, I wasn't willing to risk that. And now studies are coming out that it does affect your cycle. So women out there beware because when these coming out I started talking to my mom and I was like I knew it I knew it like thank god I did not get this because I would just be a train wreck I would be a train wreck and it doesn't help either that the FDA for example is refusing to give out long-term studies for the Mm -hmm. for the population to at least inform to at least digest and make their own decisions whether or not this is a job worth getting Mm -hmm. And if you just keep burying something and say, there's nothing to look here, stop looking. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the human, what's the human reaction, right? Yeah. You're going to go, you're going to look in that direction and say, well, why are you telling us not to look in this direction? Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. actually kind of gets into a story, story you have concerning the CDC, is it not? Yes. My story is about the CDC withholding data about COVID. So a synopsis of it. Uh, broken down hospitalizations by age. This is what the CDC was giving by age, race, vaccine status, but they didn't make most of it public. The first significant data of booster effectiveness in younger adults, younger than 65 that they put out excluded a lot of data from ages 18 to 49 year olds because they are least likely to benefit from the booster shots because the first two doses like leave them well enough protected that they don't need the other boosters. And Kristen Norlund, from a CDC spokeswoman, said they weren't ready for prime time. I'm putting that in finger quotes um, because they wanted <laughs> to ensure accurate and actionable data. And then they just they just started releasing data, the CDC, on COVID presence in wastewater, but some states have been providing this type of data since the beginning of the pandemic. And knowing this data can help predict an influx in COVID cases. So that's pretty much what my data is about. My initial or my article is about. My initial reaction was honestly, I'm not surprised like by this information that they were withholding data from us. As we know a lot now recently, like I said, about uh, the vaccine affecting affecting the psych- women's cycle, and then there have been some about how deaths in hospitals have not been due to COVID. People have just died with COVID. Very big difference. And I think that just goes into them, the CDC, these unelected officials, wanting to keep controlling people and scaring people mainly scaring people into controlling them and to get the vaccine. And there are many theories out there. Who knows why they're forcing this vaccine down our throats, but that was just my initial reaction. Totally not surprised by this information and the wastewater. I actually, 
am kind of unsure why that's such a big deal. I guess during the Omicron time, it could have been predicted and we could have, again, hand quote, like try to prevent it. But I'm not one to be like, even if I knew there was going to be an influx, I wouldn't have like stopped my life, especially during the holidays. So I don't know how much that would have affected people because I think a lot of people at this point are kind of just done with the COVID, want to move on, don't want to keep hearing about these vaccines, masks, and like, at least that's my take. That's where I stand. I'm done with it. I'm kind of like, we need to live with this. Learn to live with COVID. It's not going away. At this point, it's not affecting people who aren't immunocompromised or younger than 65. And it does, but once people get the vaccine, males, after they get the vaccine, are, I think, more in danger of like heart disease they can get once they get the vaccine. I think that's much worse than getting COVID and having to be home for six days. So I don't know. I'm just so over it all. And I I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very, because I'm pretty sure I saw at one point with the CDC, the one of the reasons why they decided to withhold the information is because they didn't want people or send out the wrong uh, mm-hmm. message out yeah. there that the vaccines are ineffective, which mm-hmm. my buddies who are in the military kind of go back to my story for a moment. My buddies yeah. in the military have gotten the vaccine. They would have told you the vaccines aren't worth jack. Uh, they yeah. they still got COVID. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and- there's so many people who ha- who've gotten many vaccines, like boosters still get covid like explain that matter of fact, yeah and as a matter of fact the majority of the people who are hospitalized are vaccinated as mm-hmm. of right now and this is about i mean my goodness this is about just transparency and letting the government letting the people mm-hmm. make educated decisions for themselves yep. it almost is insulting when they lecture us as if we're a bunch of babies and can't figure out yeah. The information, not only that, but they also think we're really stupid and not seeing past the BS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think at the beginning of COVID, let's go back to March 2020. It was it was very unknown at that point. But I feel like now we've lived with this for two years and it's come to a point where I think, oh, gosh, sorry, was that really loud? Oh, my goodness. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Um, it's come to a point where I think people are well-informed enough about COVID in general to make their own decisions on whether they want to be vaccinated, whether they want to wear a mask. I don't think at this point anymore people should be forced. I don't think that ever should have happened, but in the beginning it was very unknown. Like my family, we were totally wearing masks. My dad, if you knew my dad at all, you would think this is the funniest story ever. My dad is very against all of this, but... Yeah, <laughs> he went to the store with gloves on and a mask and he would come home and wipe down our groceries because this was again like March 2020 but it's so laughable now that at that point because there was so much unknown about it we were taking all these measures and now it's like okay we know how this affects people especially people who are not immunocompromised and not within the uh, age range where you could be hospitalized and it is a cult for those people. So, so let me, 
So have you gotten COVID at any point? I did. This? I've gotten it twice, actually, which is funny. So what was that like? What was your experience? So I, it started, I had a, my, so my brother had it and that, that that's how I got it. But it was Super Bowl Sunday, 2021. And my grandfather had actually went to the hospital, not for COVID, but he was really sick and we thought that it was the end. Thank God. He's still here. So good. But I was like up all night crying, total mess. And I woke up the next day with like a raging headache. Like I could not get rid of it. And I thought it was just because I was up all night, very upset. And and even though my brother had, I was like, definitely not COVID. Like I've never heard of somebody with a bad headache with COVID. And my mom was like, yeah, you're fine. If you don't have a fever, it's fine. So I went about my usual just going about and this headache I could not get it away and then I woke up the next day and I still had a headache and I was but I was fine I had a few body aches but I like to lift so I was like oh, I was probably just for my workout yesterday then I woke up the next day and I had a fever and my mom was like we'll just go get tested you might have it you might not just just go see and I did and that was a Wednesday and by Friday, I was back in my usual routine. Well, as I was held to isolate and stuff, whatever, but I was the problem with these. But that's the problem with these mandates, though, too, is that it take away the nuance aspect mm -hmm. of such as yourself. You've gotten COVID twice now, yeah. but that means you have better immunity than exactly. someone who's actually gotten vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So for your university to make you go jump, go through, make a jump, all these hoops just yep. so you don't just to get just so you don't have to get the vaccine yeah. is ridiculous. And mm -hmm. it's for the military service members to where they have to jump exactly. to the point where they have to go to the Supreme court mm -hmm. is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I, and especially, I mean, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say in people who have had COVID, like you said, they have immunity, but also they know that they, no matter what kind of symptoms they had, they've, they've lived it and they are fine now these people who are fighting the vaccines. So why are these people, these people obviously aren't in fear for their life that they feel like they need to get the vaccine. So why I will say, born? so I will say from my experience with the vaccine, cause I got the mm -hmm. vaccine. It was kind of, wasn't actually because of the military. It's actually yeah. completely different. Um, at the time I was in the process of moving back to Florida and I was going to move back mm -hmm. with my best friend, his mom, because that's pretty much where I lived for like the last year and a half of yeah. high school and they're on the side of you know this is important to us mm -hmm. please get the vaccine at least the first dose so i was like all right i'll get the first dose at least so i got moderna and i will say before i got the COVID vaccine not i had not gotten sick in maybe two three years mm -hmm. since then i think i've gotten sick three times oh my gosh. after after not being sick once during these last three years, whatnot, now I've gotten sick three times in the last six, seven months. So it's like, it, but I've heard, I've heard studies though, too, where actually damages your immune system. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard something along those lines yeah. as well. And it, again, just goes back to let me make my own decision. Don't mm -hmm. tell everyone else and make them have to go through hoops just so they can, they don't have to take the vaccine. Don't exactly. make them pick their livelihoods and, or get the jab with an experimental vaccine. It's yep. literal. It's an actual experimental vaccine. And if people are being forced to take it, then you're in violation of the Nuremberg Code, mm -hmm. which the whole point of the Nuremberg Code is so people did not take have to take part in an involuntary experimental scientific experiments, mm -hmm. I should say. 
it's just a bad nick yeah <laughs> and i actually didn't know about that code that's really interesting and i feel like more people should know about it because that just makes it even more worse not it even past the fact that they're totally violating our individual freedom but that that just makes it 10 times worse for me i don't know i mean yeah so they'll it was established like right after the holocaust it was pretty much because obviously with the nazis and the experimentation mm -hmm. they did now the un and the media they'll come out and say this is not a violation of the Nuremberg code it's about public safety but again uh they're playing semantic semantics in my opinion at that point the yeah. they're playing theater they're just mm -hmm. trying to like come up with a bunch of big words and terms and hope that people it's speaking generalities i should say hoping mm -hmm. people would just not see past their bs but yeah. the majority of the people could see past their bs and can recognize like this is experimental vaccine can, this experiment is from the scientific community therefore it is up to us to decide to consent to this this experiment we should not be forced and if you make us try to do something like that then at that point you're a violation of that code yeah which it's a uh, i don't know i definitely i have been lucky throughout throughout this whole pandemic mm -hmm. that i've lived in the south and in the yeah. south i'm not it sounds like you live up north so. i do live in the northeast yeah it's yeah yeah it's definitely way different up here so yeah so up down here in the south COVID doesn't exist um <laughs> <laughs> it's been nice especially in florida when i moved to florida texas was pretty good too but texas took i know texas got going into this weird purplish state right now yeah at least mindset-wise, especially Governor Greg Abbott. I have no idea what he's doing, but um, they're Republican by name right now, but they're kind of, they act like a Democrat state sometimes. Yeah. But Florida, though, nah, yeah. Florida, they just... Yeah. I went to a comedy show. Uh, do you know Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy? No, I don't. Oh, funny dude. Check it out. Check him out on Netflix. Okay. But... <laughs> yeah, well. Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but funny dude, uh, very down to earth. He leans left, but he's like that classical liberal. Yeah, where he, he can make fun of him, his own side as well, <laughs> and stuff like that. And he actually does a good job not not bringing politics into the conversation oh, so good. much. Yeah, yeah. But in this particular case, um, he brought up Florida and how Florida is more scared of Carol Baskins than <laughs> COVID than the COVID virus. Yeah. <laughs> Which just speaks to like the mindset between a state that has treated, decided and recognized the science that it's not the end of the world, this virus. Mm -hmm. It's unless you are overweight and have prior conditions, mm -hmm. you're pretty much at low risk. And it, at the worst, it's going to be a really bad cold or a really bad flu. Yeah. One of the two. Mm -hmm. But if you're overweight, and you have prior conditions, or you're older, I should say, the elderly yeah. are also more vulnerable, then at that point, you might want to take some more precautions, but that should be your decision, though. That's the exactly. whole thing. I think <laughs> it should totally be your decision. And like you, like we've kept mentioning the elderly, COVID isn't the only sickness that they're more susceptible to. Just putting that out there, like elderly people in general, their immune systems are lowered. So I was going to say, is there any particular that, you know, any elderly who have gotten COVID? 
No, no, no. Like you were saying, like they're more susceptible to other diseases than COVID. No, I'm so, just saying COVID is just one of many. Oh, because of their lower immune system. Yes, because yes. they're older. Okay, mm-hmm. now I see what you're saying. Now. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But what you would call it? It's just a matter of, I don't know. It's, I think people wouldn't be so upset by these policies if they were transparent. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. And I think for the CDC in particular, they're more, it's, it's very clear they're more interested in protecting an agenda, which yep. if it was about our safety our, and our health, then they would have been getting this information out regardless mm-hmm. of the fact that it goes against a narrative that you need to get the vaccine or else you'll die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which has everyone on this panic form, which is pretty much what I've described COVID at this mm-hmm. point, which it, the left in particular, they just treat it as if it's the next bubonic plague that's yeah. going to wipe out half the popula- exactly. world population. Yeah. So. And I just think they've just scared people so much. Sometimes I'm I feel bad for people because I'm like, if this is all you're seeing, if they're the information that they're handing to you, obviously you're going to be scared and you're going to want to protect yourself in any way you can, which right now is masking and vaccine or staying in your home. So if you're not researching and or looking for your information in the right places, you will be scared because that's how the media and CDC are forming all this information. But the worst part is though, is they're trying to turn American pitting Americans against other Americans, literally one side right now, like for the military story, for example, you're going to have one side that's going to go, well, they deserve to be kicked out. Of course they should, they should have to get the vaccine. You're putting everyone else at risk. It's kind of stripping away their humanity and right. And that just because someone doesn't get the vaccine does not mean they're infected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you saying pitting against each other, I think that's 100% what has been happening. I think that's why the whole political climate has gotten so much, t- like has gotten so much more tense over the past two years, especially because of COVID and these vaccines. Because if you haven't gotten the vaccine, you're, you're evil or you don't care about other people. Like, no, that's, that's not it actually so i just hate how it all gets twisted because like you said it's just pitting people against one another i mean what you may call it they will look at your story with your dad and they'll look at the stories with the service members and they will be full of ecstasy by the fact they are jobless or something Mm -hmm. along those lines which is again absolutely terrible and I think, and sometimes the right does this too, where they kind of get involved in this revenge politics aspect. And then, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to go after the unvaccinated? Well, we're going to go after the vaccinated. I really believe in the mindset from MLK, which really derives from his beliefs in the Bible, Christianity, Mm -hmm. which you don't repay evil for evil. Um, At the end of the day, we have, people have to hear these kind of stories and recognize that, these are real people mm-hmm. that are making decisions and they have real livelihoods that yeah. are being affected. The mil- people in the military, a lot of people in the military have families that mm-hmm. they have, they have dependents that they have to worry about. Um, they have to worry about put your dad has to worry, has to worry about putting food on the table for mm-hmm. you guys, etc. So I guess that's like my final thoughts is just um, first and foremost, 
like you said, it's time for us to move on mm-hmm. from this whole pandemic, um, which really, let's be honest, it was it was a fabricated uh, yeah. issue in a sense that we funded the research for this virus to explode. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Like we literally created the mess here. But mm-hmm. um, regardless, though, it's still uh, just because of our political leaders say something doesn't mean that they're telling you the truth and does not mean what they're saying about the other person who doesn't agree with them. That's true about them as well. So that's my final thoughts for this segment. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, Last thing I have to say, like just COVID in general is something that is just a, a sore subject kind of for me with my dad. I've, had personal experiences with it. I'm an education major. My field officer told me to drop my special education major, which special ed needs teachers right now, like absolutely needs them because I didn't get vaccine and I won't get a job. And I was like, that's a guy who cares about education. That's for sure. Like, especially special education. But anyway, yeah, I, I just stand on the side of let people make their own decisions, especially now we're well-informed enough to make our own decisions. My episode that comes out next Thursday is actually on this topic of individual freedom in terms of the vaccine and mask mandates. So it'll be a good one. It's a good discussion. Well, I'll, I know I said my final thought was just a moment ago, but this is my final final <laughs> thought because you bring up a good point that we do not have to comply And the more people Mm -hmm. don't comply, the less power they have to actually enforce these mandates. In the words of the Marine colonel that, uh, Lieutenant Colonel that got kicked out because his comments about Afghanistan, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, I think his name is, Mm -hmm. we can't all be wrong. So (laughs) (laughs) with that said, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break. And I'll choose sponsor myself, me. That's right, I have absolutely no money to be made off this. Just getting the word out. Now, if you've ever wondered where I get my Thinking Out Loud monologues from, well, I'm glad you asked because they're just my articles from a Substack newsletters. Just type in the URL at kenjin296.substack.com. RP, kenjin296.substack.com. Spell the word engine, put the letter K in front of the word engine, then get kenjin, one word, 296.substack.com. Then you can follow me on Instagram, Getter, TikTok, and soon Truth Social at Kenjin underscore Express. I repeat, Kenjin underscore Express. Then last but not least, you can follow me on Facebook. Type in Taboo Topic in the search bar. Look for the logo that says Honesty Equals Understanding. There's two episodes a week. I have a hot seat edition where I scrutinize an opinion or story, popular or unpopular. Do my research so to provoke thought. Remember... That also comes with an article on Substack, so don't forget about that, on Wednesdays. Then on Friday, we go over current events where I pick two to four stories I found interesting, and hopefully you do as well. Possibly more if I have a guest. Then there's a good conversation so we can cover as many bases as possible so you, the audience, have less holes to fill in understanding the truth. That's two episodes a week, guaranteed, which you can listen to this show on any platform from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and more. So stay up to date and tune in. Don't forget to leave a review either. If it's less than a five star, let me know so I can better serve you. Here on this show, we dare to think out loud and question the narrative. Free speech triumphs your safe space. 
because in order for us to think, we have to risk being offensive. If we want to have true peace in our society, we have to be able to be honest with each other. If we can be honest with each other, then we'll have a true understanding that will lead to real peace. Amen? All right, let's get back to the show. Vladimir Putin has been planning this for months, as we've been saying all along. He moved more than 175,000 troops, military equipment, positions along the Ukrainian border. He moved blood supplies into position and built a field hospital, which uh, tells you all you need to know about his intentions all along. He rejected every good faith effort the United States and our allies and partners made to address our mutual security concerns through dialogue to avoid needless conflict and avert human suffering. This is a flagrant violation of international law and demands a firm response from the international community. Over the last few months, we've coordinated closely with our NATO allies and partners in Europe and around the world to prepare that response. We've said all along, and I've told Putin to his face some month, a month ago, more than a month ago, that we would act together. And the moment Russia moved against Ukraine, Russia has now undeniably moved against Ukraine. Cheering, dancing, and crying. Hundreds of women celebrated outside Colombia's constitutional court at the news that having an abortion will no longer be a crime. Many supporters wore green to represent the abortion rights movement that had campaigned tirelessly to remove abortion in the first 24 weeks of pregnancy from Colombia's penal code. This is historic. It brings us such happiness because little by little we are changing our history. We finally succeeded in having them allow us to decide over our bodies. We fought for this for many years and clandestine abortions took the lives of so many women. This is a huge step for a widely Catholic country, but an even bigger development for this deeply conservative region. Abortion was partially legalized in Colombia under a 2006 court decision, which allowed it only in cases of rape, if the woman's life was in danger, or if the fetus had serious health problems. The Causa Justa coalition, which sued for decriminalization, estimates around 90% of abortions in Colombia take place in secret, putting women's lives at risk as they seek dangerous alternatives to a doctor. And welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Ken Drew, and I am with the first-time guest, Nikki, from Red Girl in a Blue World. I was about to say between a blue world, but you, you get the point. Uh, <laughs> how was your break? It was good. It was good. How was yours? Oh, I'm living the dream. So, <laughs> um, so for this segment, I'm actually going to go ahead and do ladies first. So you okay. can go ahead and give your story. And right. it, I think it has to do with, actually, it's pretty relevant, Russia and Ukraine, correct? Yes, it does. So originally, I was just going to talk about the sanctions that Biden placed, but now Russia has invaded Ukraine, which is a update on the situation that happened Wednesday night. So anyway, synopsis of my story. Biden placed sanctions in Russia to deter them from invading. That obviously worked very well. But Russia's foreign minister said anyway that it wouldn't affect them, that they were, quote unquote, used to it. So pretty much this all started because Ukraine wanted to join NATO and Russian 
Russia was just not happy with that at all. And so they, this all started going down and they invaded and the war does seem very unpopular, like through social media, but also in Russia too. I saw that people were protesting in front of Russia's capital about the invasion. So that is very interesting. And I wanted to mention that. But anyway, my reaction to all of this, first of all, we were never under, nobody attacked anybody when Trump was our president, which is interesting because they attacked when Obama and Bush were president. So now we have to ask ourselves the question, why now do they feel they can invade? And I just want to bring up some other things that happened, like when Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline. That was, we were making our own energy. We didn't need to go to Russia for our energy or Saudi Arabia, two people who, by the way, do not like us. So we were, (laughs) we were energy efficient and then Biden shut that down. So we had to buy, buy buy more oil from Russia. So the past year since he's done that, that was what he did like the first week he was in office like one of the first things he did so the past year we have been giving all of this money to russia which further helped them with these attacks so the sanction that he placed i think it was tuesday that he did that we've been helping them for the past year anyway so why would he think a sanction would do anything um but then you have (laughs) like it's just i don't know and then Nate, like Germany decided that they were going to start buying gas from Russia and NATO was formed to protect these countries from Russia. But now we have us and Germany, two countries, part of NATO, buying gas from Russia, further helping them. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, like at all. So again, going back to my reaction is just that we needed our president to be more forceful on and not be so I don't I don't, I don't want to say weak I don't like to uh like bad talk because like at the end of the day like he's our president but like Drew, it's taboo go <laughs> and say it Nikki. like he <laughs> like he was just weak in this situation like Trump would have never let this happen and in fact it did not happen in the four years where he was president he did not let this happen and it's people called Trump all these names saying he was working with Putin or whatever. They called him the next Hitler. And then you have Biden like helping with these attacks practically by shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. So that's kind of my initial reaction. We need a stronger leader and we don't have one right now. And I, I just like urge the people who voted for Biden to really – think about your reasoning because if it was trump's mean tweets let's let's revisit that decision although we can't now let's think about it for the next election because it we should not be in this situation right now at all this should not be something that we have to deal with and we have honestly bigger fish to fry here in the united states than having to worry about russia attacking ukraine there are so many other issues going on in america that why are now all of everybody's attention is focused to this and not worrying about any of anything else going on over here 
when there's so much going on in here in, over here that our attention needs to be focused on. And that's my initial reaction. Go ahead. What's yours? <laughs> well, so when you were talking about really wishing Trump were in office right now instead of Biden, I wonder how many Biden voters are having that same thought where they were they're having that buyer's remorse kind of yeah. deal. And I don't know. I'm sure you've been in a relationship before, but I'm not sure you've been in a situation where the person that broke up with you was the actual jerk in the relationship. And then they try to call on you back and like, hey, baby, yeah. <laughs> remember all those good times we had? <laughs> like, I feel like those right now, the bi- people who voted for Biden that have that buyer's remorse are probably thinking that right now. They want to call up Trump <laughs> yeah. and be like, hey, Trump, remember those yeah. four years there was no war or anything like that. As a matter of fact, every time yep. there was a threat of war, like you put a stop to it somehow, yeah. you know, the great person of making great deals and everything like that. Yeah. Come back, baby. We miss you. Right. So <laughs> that's the first, that's what I thought when you said that. But also to me, it boggles my mind. And I know you said we didn't have to go hard into this subject, but believe it or not, I actually mm-hmm. have a lot to say on this. Not go so much it. because, not so much because I actually care. But it's because I care so much to not care. And yeah. everyone keeps telling me I need to care about this. And we, like you said, we have so many other issues to focus on yeah. here. And the best argument I've heard so far from the public figures in the sense of why we should care is morals, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, it is our moral obligation to protect democracy, which let me fact check those public figures real quick and fact check the fact checkers. <laughs> Ukraine was never a democracy. All right. Ukraine actually was a dictatorship. They weren't a free country at the time. Actually, they never were, including also Russia in particular has stated that they're not planning to occupy the region. They're trying to destabilize their militarization, something along those lines, I think. But uh, it boggles my mind. And I was telling you this before that. I really think there's a huge disconnect between the working class and these public figures who are there in their own little cool kids table and they're having their own discussions within their own table and they think they know what's important to everyone else. But in reality, they don't. They may think, you know, it's cool to wear a dune's hat outside the schoolyard and wear a mask and maybe wear diapers outside. But everyone else is going to look at them go, no, that's actually not cool. And everything like that. Like mm-hmm. that's the public figures right now trying to convince every one of us that this this is something that we should care. And you want to talk about propaganda for a, me- for a minute here, right? Tell me your propaganda machine without telling me your propaganda machine. There's a CBS headline literally blaming our economic woes on Ukraine, the situation in Russia and Ukraine. I'm not kidding. Like higher gas prices, inflation, <laughs> unemployment is because it's of the Ukrainian situation. Tell me again, tell me you're not a propag- tell me your propaganda machine without telling me your propaganda machine. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it right there. And it's one of those things where it's like it makes me speculate. And I really believe I know where you stand on the whole topic of deep state. And I know you're relatively new to the political world. But personally, as someone who's I mean, really politics was forced upon me as a kid. Like my dad yeah. was watching Fox News 24 <laughs> 7 when I was a kid. And I'd be watching cartoons. At 7 p.m. at night, my dad would call me in and say, hey, Ken, watch this up with me. And it's like a story on Fox News or whatnot. But so I pretty much go with politics. But um, even then, it, w- it makes me wonder 
what the deep state is up to. Mm-hmm. And from all the years of watching politics, I really believe there's a deep state where there's this global elite that has an agenda to turn our society into a Marxist society, not only from a social standpoint, but also economic standpoint. They're trying to create this weird communist or hybrid communist Marxist society where it's like China, essentially, where you have the social credit score, you have, um, they technically have the free market, but they're, they're also limited as far as they can't use Google, Google over there, for example, um, and stuff like that. But this situation was clearly could have been avoided a hundred percent. And instead, like you said, we have a leader where really the world kind of laughs at him. As a matter of fact, China, like the first month of office literally told his people during a press conference live, you do not come from a position of strength. Like that's embarrassing (laughs) when you're like, when your own enemies or frenemies are telling you straight up like mm-hmm. you're a joke on live TV, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they would have never done that with Trump. They would have kept no. their mouth shut. <laughs> never. None of this ever. Nobody ever would have tried to step on Trump to Trump's toes because he would have been like Papa Bear of this country. Like, and it it is so upsetting to still see people saying things about trump like you obviously don't know the whole story like you mentioned that headline and i just read, wrote down in my notes headlines because often people see a headline i know i was like this not long ago like you said i'm new to the whole like political world and everything so i would see a headline and be like oh my gosh what this is crazy it didn't read the article just totally went off what the headline was didn't do any deeper research to see what it was actually about or what was actually going on and i still think that happens and especially when trump was in office article after article was coming out about him saying these things and if you're just reading the headline and also not doing your own research that's all you're ever going to think or know about trump or whatever propaganda they're putting out there for you to read if you don't continue reading and do your own research to verify. Well, and here's the thing, though, too, when it comes to these headlines and everything like that, I actually wouldn't mind it if they would acknowledge that they do not have direct evidence and they just were Mm -hmm. honest with us. But the thing is, they keep, they try to sell this, like, this is fact. You need to believe this. Otherwise, you're part of the danger to democracy. Mm -hmm. You are the threat to democracy if you questioned us and questioned the narratives that we present to you, which... Speaking of speculations, now I'm going to put my tinfoil hat here. So to my audience members and to anyone from your audience that's going to listen to this episode, uh, take take what I say with a grain of salt. Don't take me as the holy grail of truth to your own research, <laughs> obviously, but this yeah. is me speculating. I do not have direct evidence, all right? But this is just my own opinion and speculation. <laughs> so I actually saw a story today, and... I think it would be something if it were actually turned out to be true, which really, if you think about it, within the last year and a half, two years, everything that was originally conspiracy theory is turning out to be true. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective. So uh, I was following, I follow someone uh, and she's part of like the slightly offensive TV crew. I don't know if you're aware of that show no, on I'm YouTube. Yeah. They're a more far right group, but okay. I like to listen to them every now and then. Uh, just 
because it's good to have different perspectives, even within the conservative echo chamber. Um, yeah. But which we caught, but this particular story caught my attention. But basically, the speculation and the conspiracy I'm going to talk about is apparently we have bio labs in the Ukraine right now. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, Russia accused America of creating biological warfare against Russia right by their border as well. And that's one of the reasons why they're, air quote, invading the Ukraine right now. And that's and why they're saying they're just trying to demilitarize the Ukrainians right now and not occupy. That's not their main purpose. Now, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be something if Russia was actually the good guys in this scenario and they were actually preventing another scenario that happened with COVID where we funded the virus, this pandemic, and because of Russia and, they, and their destruction of these bio labs, now they can't go through with whatever scientific research that they were originally funding for potential uh, biological warfare. Oh but the, uh, again, this is purely speculation. <laughs> Don't take it oh my take with a grain of salt. Um, I'll send yeah. you actually the story after this episode. Yeah, if you please do. <laughs> that but, is, that's insane. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something though if Russia turned out to be the good guys? Yes. Story and the reason why the Americans and the United Nations are so upset about it is because, again, that going back to the deep state mindset, mm-hmm. there's a deep state. They want they want another pandemic so they can go ahead and push mm-hmm. their agenda, take freedoms mm-hmm. away. Yep. Etc. So, wouldn't it be something if Putin was actually the good guy in this <laughs> whole scenario, and the media is just trying to gaslight us into thinking he's this terrible person? Yep. Which, frankly, anytime the media now tells me uh, someone is the bad g- guy, I automatically assume they're probably not telling me the truth, like they did, with, like with Trump. Uh, Taylor mm-hmm. Major Majuri, I can't pronounce her name to save my life, but Taylor Majuri Taylor Green. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. I can't pronounce it to save my life sometimes. But like all these people that the media and the big tech companies, the elite class say mm-hmm. like you shouldn't listen to them. They're dangerous and threat to democracy. Where you actually cut through their noise and you realize they're not crazy at all. Yep. They are actually very reasonable mm-hmm. people with reasonable ideas. And there's a reason why they're doing and why they believe in what they believe in. So yeah. if they're so the fact they're going this hard against Putin right now, it makes me questionable. Now, I don't know. I know you're, again, you're new to the political landscape, yeah. so you get a pass for this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me in particular, I have mixed feelings about Putin. Like, I personally don't necessarily like the guy, but I also don't think he's a liar. I think he at least is, he will, he is at least honest. Despite okay. his, uh, he's at least honest with his intentions. I don't have to like him necessarily. Yeah. But when you hear him in interviews, in particular, and I've listened to him on some interviews, again, sounds like a reasonable person. He'll make even an American journalist look like an idiot because he he knows they're we're a propaganda machine at this mm-hmm. point. Like they're just they're more interested in the agenda than telling the yeah. truth. And I remember watching an interview where he even acknowledged that globalism the American working class has been hurt the most by globalism. Like that was from, that was Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. who actually admitted that. So. Wow. Wouldn't it be something, right? If that actually turned out to be the case where Russia is actually the good guys and is actually, mm-hmm. and is actually justified to go ahead and 
do what they did with the Ukrainians. Now, like I said, uh, the audience needs to understand Ukrainian government is a dictatorship. They've threw people in prison. Uh, they haven't had a fair election in a while now, et cetera. So uh, if the media is trying to tell you that they're free, you know, this is a threat to democracy. Well, they weren't really a democracy to begin with. So yeah. that's my long and initial reaction. <laughs> I kind of went on a rant there. But. That's okay. <laughs> Like you said, I'm very new to this whole political thing. I think your listeners should know that. I I kind of, my thing is like, I'm one of you. I'm learning along with you. So you, I'm, I'm going to be learning. I already have learned a lot from you and I'm sure I'm going to continue to. So a lot of the things you mentioned, like, like the idea of deep state, I, I think I get it in a general sense, but probably not as deep as you are like Putin I I don't know enough like, information to make a general like yeah. an educated opinion on him yeah yeah exactly but one thing I did want to mention when you were talking about like all these people that the media turns to be like evil or whatever like Trump was not a politician and I that makes him very different from any other politician pretty much because he is not in was not in the political world right like he was a businessman which i think makes him so different from any of these other people and what i'm kind of gathering from the deep state idea is that these people have like you said like a a bigger agenda and who knows what that involves maybe you could explain to me at some point what that like means but i think trump coming in from the outside even furthers our point that he's not one of those people who has that agenda because he was not involved in that world. Yes, he was like a higher elite or whatever, but he was not in that world of like politics necessarily before running for president. I feel, I don't know. Is that correct? (laughs) No, I get what you're saying. And as a matter of fact, because he was an outsider, and that meant he was going to stand in the way of their agenda, which made mm-hmm. made them hate him more because yeah. he was not going to go with their agenda. And his agenda, say what you want about Trump, all right? I like to think of Trump as like that asshole lawyer that you want on your side. He's going to yeah. go to bat for you and he's exactly. going to represent you no matter what. Like that mm-hmm. was Trump. He went. He was the lawyer that went on behalf of the American people no matter where he was yep. at. No matter if it was within the DC swamp or the global swamp, yeah, over there. So, yep. um, <laughs> yeah. So, which McCop? Did you listen to the full episode last week by any chance? Because I, you... I didn't get through the whole thing, but I must say that first conversation, I was just, I was, I've never felt so like I need to sit and listen to every single word these people are saying. I was so into it. I told my dad for I was like, Dad. Go listen to this conversation right now. You're going to love it. I just wanted to mention that to you. But anyway, I didn't get oh, to Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, though, like, if you if you go to the last story, we talk about the deep state, what happened with the – I'm sure you heard at some point in the social media uh, scrollings and everything like that with the Clinton administration – not Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. The Clinton campaign actually yeah. spying on Trump, yes. not only his campaign, but also – uh, during his time in the White House. So if you want to listen to that episode, ladies and gentlemen, from from your audience, by all means, check that episode <laughs> out. Weekend Review Edition. 
uh, where I talk about the deep state there and I really get more in depth in that conversation. But Okay, I'll definitely have to go back and listen to that conversation then because I I feel like this is a bigger thing than I'm aware of and I should probably be more aware of it. So I will definitely inform myself and go listen to that. <laughs> oh, don't don't hold don't worry. <laughs> don't uh, don't be hard on yourself. Um and like and I think it's important for the audience to understand that you are new to this and yeah. You are just like them. You're pretty much the audience. Yeah. They're the average person. They may not necessarily know everything, but if they want to get an in-depth perspective and really try to cover as many bases as they possibly can, like this is the show to do it. Yeah. And versus like a cable, let's say Fox News, for example, or even CNN, like they are under this time constraint. Yeah. And so they can't really get that in-depth with it. So uh, with this podcast, you you definitely can. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which... We're going to say global, and I have a story, but we're going to go away from the Russia-Ukraine situation because we both think there's bigger issues at hand. let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this actually kind of – we kind of touched base on this when we were talking earlier, but this kind of touched bases with our personal beliefs about this particular issue, abortion. Now, I'm glad you're on the show for this one because we'll get the female perspective on this. And I'm sure you probably have a lot more to say about this than the Russia-Ukraine situation. <laughs> so, obviously, um, this week at Columbia, you may have may not heard, but this week at Columbia, the, their constitutional court decided to allow women to have an abortion up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. Now, for context, that's about six months. So that's a long time. So that's basically up until the second trimester, I think. I want to mm-hmm. say, correct? Yeah, that- yeah that's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, before the ruling, abortion was only legal in the case of endangerment of the woman's life, according to ABC. Uh, they reported a fetus had mal- malformations or a pregnancy that resulted from a rape. So that was like the only scenarios before this ruling a woman could get a abortion procedure. Now, according to the Colombian Penal Code, CNN uh, – I keep saying this because I heard it from the Hodge Twins – and I've stuck with it. CNN stands for Clowns News Network. Um, but uh, they stated since 2006, women seeking to end in pregnancy outside of those circumstances could face up, up to 54 months. This didn't occur much, though. But the abortion advocates say criminalization of the practice creates a climate of fear and suspicion between patients and the medical class who feel feel forced to report abortions to the authorities for fear of participating in a crime no shit anyway sorry (laughs) um anyways hundreds of women in colombia are investigated for illegal abortions each year others resort to clandestine abortions a pervasive and often unsafe practice across the rest of the region which if that was chinese to anyone listening uh it's just a dark market it's just an illegal abortion that's like Something that you'll hear American pro- abortion advocates use and say, if abortion gets banned, we're going to go back to these unsafe procedures and the dark market and everything like that. Um, with that said, though, feminist groups in Colombia allege over 400,000 of those kind of abortions happen yearly. But when I did my research, I also they really had no real numbers. So that's why mm-hmm. I said allege. Um, now, what this doesn't do, this ruling doesn't do is decriminalize all abortion in other words after the 24th week if you seek if you want to seek an abortion and you follow through you'll fall under that colombian penal code 
Now, this is a big deal over there, uh, regardless of the, your stance on the issue, because in Latin America and South America, uh, Catholicism rules. In Colombia, it's reported to have over 70% of the population to be practicing Catholics. Now, it's interesting to mention that the Vatican hasn't said anything over this decision, which uh, I'm not sure if you're Catholic or not, but I think you are I from what I heard. I am, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you probably have a lot more to say about that than I do, but um, nearly all the countries in this part of the world don't allow uh, abortion in nearly all circumstances, with a few exceptions, such as Mexico and Argentina. Uh, there are some nuances to all these abortion laws in this area. However, my point is they're just very strict. Now, that said... My initial reaction, I probably should just give it to you because according to feminists, I do not have the right oh, to say anything say I have tex- because I have testicles and everything like that. <laughs> but I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I just don't give a damn. Um, <laughs> I am more appalled at the media and how celebratory they are. Uh, they genuinely believe this is a human rights issue to have access to abortion, which go back to what I said earlier, that this is their idea of bodily autonomy. Now, I will say this show and i've said it before i will die on this hell that abortion is not a right even if even if the mother's life is in danger what kind of healthcare worker would suggest you need to kill another human life to preserve another life shouldn't the conversation be how can we protect both lives what can we do to innovate to make sure both lives are protected i don't know that's just a thought out there but yep. <laughs> and there is no such thing as safe abortions all right nothing about this practice is humane it's barbaric no matter how modernized the facilities may be or legal it is, it's still cruel. You're ripping the, bo- you're literally ripping the body parts of a human being apart just to get them out of the woman's body. It's and the after effects as far as there's psychological, mm-hmm. psychologically and also physically, it can really have negative consequences that could last for the rest of their life. Now, um, and as far as the argument about the fear of getting caught with the law. I don't know if you've ever done anything that you're not supposed to do under the law, Nikki, but I don't think anybody who's ever committed a crime, who has not gotten nervous about getting caught? Let's just be real, all right? (laughs) Even for small, pettier crimes, maybe for, like, smoking marijuana on the streets. Mm -hmm. Like, they're they're still terrified of getting caught because that'll make anyone worry because no one wants to take accountability for your actions. That's just human Mm -hmm. nature. We don't want to deal with the consequence of our own actions, (laughs) no matter how reasonable or unreasonable the law may be now unless you're just brazen which we have those in society but still uh we are given a conscience by god um now so i will bring this up as well because we do have common ground in regards to our faiths Mm -hmm. they teach about abortion now um despite the fact that i'm non-denominational and don't adhere to catholicism abortion Mm -hmm. is still viewed as a sin in our respective denominations i would imagine yeah and so I just want to say, how dare the media use our religious beliefs as a derogatory variable to their agenda to legalize the practice? And I made this argument in my hot seat edition last Wednesday uh, concerning the secularization of conservatism. But we have just as much of a say in what our morals and values should be as the non-religious affiliates. If they can use their non-religious beliefs to persuade people why abortion is moral – then why can't we be bring our religious bias into the conversation as well? Which, if you're listening to this and you're not a believer in anything, you're agnostic or even an atheist, whatnot, or just a different religion, I'm only saying that 
um, because I just don't want you, the audience, you know, that falls into that category to disregard what we have to say despite our religious bias. Every single unborn child has the right to have their first breath of fresh air. Give me a good reason. All right. If you're, if you're listening to this right now, give me a good reason. If you're on that side, why it's not a violation of human rights to deny someone the right to having their first breath of fresh air, I will wait. <laughs> uh, I do wonder, though, to kind of bring in the legal perspective, which I'm not a lawyer, so I didn't really, I'm not going to get too much into it, but uh, I wonder if the Colombian government will try to amend their constitution to make it a right to life, since this was a constitutional decision that they decided to decriminalize up to 24 weeks and everything like that. Uh, that is a potential avenue they can go, but like I said, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm pretty sure you're not a lawyer. Nope. So, <laughs> especially nonetheless, Colombian lawyers, which yeah. I do want to mention the lawyers who helped uh, argue on behalf of abortion advocates. Some of them are actually, were actually American lawyers from New York. So, of course, America, we're producing the finest of the great. But, Nikki, your thoughts as a female. <laughs> okay, here we go. I was taking notes as you were talking. My first, like, my very first thought was, they went from it's illegal in almost every case to six months. That's a huge, huge jump, first of all, because at six months, your baby is about at least bigger than a pear. It might be more of a grapefruit at that point, like size. That's a human inside of you. And I, I, I can't fathom it. I, I really can't. Abortion is abortion is the leading cause of death worldwide. And that's not that's not talked about enough at all. And them doing this and you mentioned the unsafe and like you said abortion in general is just unsafe. Like you are It's barbaric. Yeah. And as the baby is forming inside of you like it become the baby becomes a part of you so you're literally removing a part of yourself and it's just so upsetting to me and you said the vatican said has said nothing the vatican has been very outspoken about many different issues but then when it comes to abortion they stay silent on one of the strongest be beliefs of the catholic community they're silent about this that is appalling to me honestly that they can't say anything. They can say that whatever vaccinations and all that stuff, go get it, whatever. But they can't say anything about this. That's another thing. And you mentioned the media being celebratory. It's, it's just so sad because, again, like you said, our beliefs are just pushed away. You can use the amoral side, but when we try to bring in our beliefs for the moral side of why this is wrong – you you can't they they won't allow it and coming from a female i one of my biggest dreams in life is to become a mother hence why i didn't get the vaccine because i was not willing to risk the thought of me not being able to do that for the vaccine but i and i understand i can i can try to understand in cases of rape but 
I do have a I I know someone personally who is the product of rape and now uh speaks out about how his mother would still gave him his right to life which like you said how can you strip another human being of their right to that first breath of life nobody can nobody can tell me that nobody has that right because everybody does and again still coming from a female who ha- who could have this option at some point because i have ovaries or whatever I remember when I was learning about abortion for the first time when I was in grade school and I talked to my mom and I was like, mom, what happens if like I get pregnant when I'm in high school? Like, what would you make me do? Like, you wouldn't make me do that right. She was like, Nikki, there is no case ever where I would ever force you to do that. She was like, don't ever ask me that again. In fact, I would make you keep the baby. And I was like, good freaking thing because that baby is staying with me. And the fact that this is kind of becoming, well, it is normalized is also another thing that is just devastating to me because I, I don't understand how you could look at a baby fresh out of the womb and be like, yeah, I could have like in the case of abortion, I know people are fighting here in the United States for it to be up until the moment right before um, what's it, birth. But I think it's like, like New York or Illinois. That, that does, is, I think both of them do. A, they can do it, right? I, think, I know they could go over to nine months with both of those states at the very least. I want to say it's Illinois. It's up until birth, but don't hold me to that. Yeah. <laughs> and But, you know, they start with the argument like, well – not until the have heartbeat. I'm in for me personally, life begins at conception and you you just can't take that away. It's it's really troubling for me to honestly think about it because also as a female, I couldn't imagine like being in that position, right? I haven't and I couldn't imagine the stress they're under. But to any females listening, if you are in that position, just think about the the life you're giving because it's called the miracle of life for a reason and the fact that we as women get to be the biggest part of that miracle is so beautiful and it's I don't know. My my mind is like all over the place that about all of this. So no, it's all good. I mean, so (laughs) no, you're good. So I think the first thing that you mentioned as far as how our religious beliefs. I mean, it's you're right. Every time we talk about these moral issues, because abortion is a moral conversation, right? It is a moral debate. Every time it gets brought up. The left in particular, pro-abortion advocates, they'll automatically use our religious beliefs as a means to try to discredit us right away, as if we do not have, a, we have less of a say in the manner which they kind of created this weird idea of separation of church and state where we have, we just have to drop our beliefs basically mm-hmm. into the conversation, which you don't have, which is unfair because they don't have to drop their beliefs with exactly. their non-religious beliefs about God, which... You know, if they again, like I said in my last episode, and I said tonight, 
if they can do it, then so can we. We have every right to mm -hmm. try to persuade the population. Uh, we will have, we will continue to have these beliefs. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. And as a result, um, you might as well let us persuade the people and overlook, if anything, if you don't believe in God, you can overlook the fact and just listen to the merits of what we're yeah. saying, basically, right? But yeah. I'm curious to hear, because you're Catholic, and so you're more attached with, with probably what's going on with the Catholic mm -hmm. community in particular. What's the general sentiment with the, this current pope now within your family, within the Catholic community you've been a part of, et cetera? Like, do you guys, is it, I know in America, I've heard that Catholics have a really negative view about yeah. him, but I could be wrong. But what do you think? No, I 100% agree. I, I, my family, a lot of other people that I know are not a fan of this current Pope at all. He, it, there was a, I think there was a, like a book or verse or something in the Bible that said something about like, not a good Pope coming at some point. That is like a complete paraphrase, obviously. <laughs> but this Pope, everything that he has been saying, most of the things that he's been saying, um, I can't agree with. Even though he is like the head of our church here on earth, I, I can't bring myself to agree with a lot of the things that he says, a lot of the statements that he comes out with. And he is the Pope, so... I will be showing my utmost respect for him, but I can say that honestly, I do not disagree. I do not agree with most of the things that he says. General sentiment, at least yeah. within, mm -hmm. within your circle who are Catholic, they yeah. don't like him either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I don't know. So I remember that first year when he came, when he first became Pope mm -hmm. in the Protestant community, he was kind of liked actually, but I don't know where, and then obviously started talking about socialism at one point, yeah. as far as like, mm -hmm. that's a, like, that's God's will for social socialism is like God's system or something along those yeah. lines. He may, I think he says along those lines, you're probably more up to date yeah. with that, but, um, and that's like when people like myself, are like, oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but also as far as what you said about rape and everything like that, I think it's important to note for the situations of rape is that we have to separate the crime from the unborn child, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Yes. It would not be fair to say, oh, I don't know. Let's say I went ahead. Let's say my neighbor killed my wife, right? Mm -hmm. The solution to the problem is not for me to go to his house and burn his entire house down and kill his wife along the process. That's not the solution. You don't repay evil for evil. <laughs> yeah. And the solution to that is go through the legal process and seek justice, right? So for this situation, I think, at least in America in particular, there is, I think, I think our laws or at least our penal codes, I'm not a lawyer, so don't hold me to it, but <laughs> they're pretty, there's a lot of cases where rape kind of gets treated like a slap on the wrist. So I do mm -hmm. think the punishments here in the United States in particular need to be harsher. Yeah. But with that said, that does not mean that that gives someone the right to go ahead and kill the child. Yeah. To separate that child. And I cannot, and, this, and I also think about this too, from my perspective is that I cannot 
look at someone who was conceived as a result of that kind of violence and say, yeah, your life was worth considering, you know, taking away. Your life was less valuable because of what happened to you. Mm -hmm. I just can't fathom looking at someone in the eye and say that. Mm -mm. So that's why I don't buy it to the net. That's why I'm personally an abolitionist. Like I completely believe in a complete abolishment, including the idea of the mother's life being in danger because, um, like I said, which is safer. You you mm-hmm. have to basically assume the abortion procedure is safer than going through with the pregnancy, which yep. is not. Yeah. And also, like I said, what kind of healthcare professional would suggest you need to kill a life to protect a life, mm-hmm. which if that's their mentality, if your doctor actually recommends you doing that, you need to find your doctor. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right mm-hmm. now. You need a new doctor yeah. <laughs> because as a matter of fact, and that gets into a whole nother conversation as far as what kind of healthcare workers do we want in our country, which mm-hmm. Uh, our healthcare system, as far as the people who are running it, there's been a lot of debate in regards to thanks to COVID, really. But yeah. um, at least those are my thoughts to what you just said in particular. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just have a little bit more to say on a little bit, of, a little bit of everything. Um, first, individual like I'm a big proponent of individual freedom and everything, but when you talk about like bodily autonomy and stuff like that just because like you have the right to your own body in terms of let's just again bring up vaccine still a hot topic you're injecting something inside of me i have the ability to say no you don't have the right to say no to somebody else's life do you know does that make sense you of course yeah so that is where you can't the bodily uh, body autonomy like argument does not work in this case because you do not have the right to tell somebody else no you have the right to say no right like you can say no i don't want that but you don't have the right to tell somebody else no and well, i think right- it's important to also sorry to interrupt no, but go ahead. I, I just want to interject real quick and say like it's also important to note that it is another human body you're mm-hmm. talking about so if you really think, you know, my body, my choice, then you would have to believe that when that child is inside of you, you don't have 10 fingers, you have 20 fingers, you yeah. don't have 10 toes, you have 20 toes mm-hmm. then. Exactly. But you don't say that because you recognize that's another human being with its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that you mentioned that I forgot to touch upon was the psychological and physical effects of abortion women who have gone abortions psych most most of all psychological effects because like i've mentioned like you just said you are creating a person inside of you and then you then you kill that person that's inside of you and even in when you take just take a real life murderer or whatever that that person there's obviously something something going on upstairs that's not right and I think these women, after this happened, realized, like, what what did I do? And there's, re- there's a reason that there's psychological effects after women get abortions. Because there's that, like, dissonance that's like, I just did something and I know that it wasn't right. Because if you, you could – if there were no psychological effects – I guess you could kind of build your build your argument, but there are 
because this is not right because that's a human inside of you and then you are killing that human and it's so it's so crazy to me that we have these we have these feminists who my body my choice and all these things but this is the most amazing thing that women could do right like this is literally like talk about superpowers this is the greatest superpower to be able to give life to another human to literally perform that miracle of life and you have these feminists saying these women are the strongest whatever you know i'm not i don't even know what their real arguments anymore it's so (laughs) they're so 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 floppy it's a great area (laughs) but this is the greatest thing that we could do as women and then you have them saying like giving birth and then you have them saying nope that's that's not right don't do like her body her choice my body my choice like no it is your body and you have a choice on certain things not this because this is another human life i want to say though too and to kind of bring it from the guy's perspective real quick because mm-hmm. obviously feminists will look at me and say well you don't have to say in this because you don't carry that weight that that carry that burden or anything like that right which let me bring this up with the unborn child when the woman is thinking about having an abortion they're not thinking about the gender at the moment mm-hmm. all right so that child could have easily been me so mm-hmm. it does so therefore when i hear feminists bring up the argument that oh well you don't have a say in this i do have a say in it because all of us at one point were inside that womb mm-hmm. G- gender did not Abortion doesn't discriminate based on gender. It literally discriminates by the simple fact you exist. Mm -hmm. That's literally what separates abortion from a lot of issues that, you know, each gender talks about and everything like that. Abortion is a universal human issue to where it's easy for someone who's already, you know, been given that life to go ahead and say, like, yes, of course, you know, a woman has the right to choose, but they already were born. They already got that first breath of fresh air. But also in regards to um, the fact they're unborn, they're unborn. They can't speak on behalf exactly. of themselves and say, hey, mommy, daddy, please mm-hmm. don't kill me. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yep. Um, but as that's just another thought that just came up to me as you were kind of going off on your, uh, your points and everything like that. Yeah, and I have a few things to build off of that. I'm sorry, I'm just writing something, so don't forget it. First, I want to say, like, for men, I hate that argument because we can fight, men can fight for other people in other certain areas regarding their right to life. But now, all of a sudden, you can't fight for the unborn's right to life. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, like, of course. So, that argument to me is just so irrelevant. Like, I don't care, ovaries or not. You have a right to t- to speak for these humans who can't speak for themselves. And on kind of going off of that, you have these people saying, my body, my choice, and telling you you can't fight for these humans, but then they will speak for their children and say, oh, well, my daughter or my son is going to dress like a girl or a boy, you know, opposite cross-dressing or whatever say that's okay or say like oh the science are claim to be pro-science and then they do these things (laughs) yes i'm like totally 
hypocritical of you to say that a man can't fight for an unborn child just because they're not carrying them, but then you can force your children or just help your children in these decisions where they can't really speak for themselves either. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? You're making a lot of sense. Don't okay. worry. Okay. But yeah. I mean, I guess also too, to kind of bring up to what you were saying about men in particular, as far as having the right to say something, the same, the feminists, right. In particular, they will say that men need to step up. As a matter of fact, I've been told step up or shut up with the whole me too movement. Right. Yeah. But as soon as I open my mouth about an issue that I think, is something worth talking about then it's shut up don't step up we don't want your opinion on this as a matter of fact the only time we want your opinion on this is if you agree with us kind of the whole check check your boxes and everything like Mm -hmm. that which let me just go ahead and say this on the men's side in particular who are pro-choice notice they're the ones who will notice the ones that will how should i put this i'm trying to think the men who uh, are actually wanting to protect unborn children or something like that, they're not the ones you're going to hear make up excuses why they shouldn't raise the kid. It's the pro-choice advocates who will make those excuses, which, mm-hmm. again, we can make a ton of reasons why I shouldn't drink water or anything like that and just go ahead and eat McDonald's fries for the rest of my life and everything like that. Ignore the science. But – it doesn't change the mm-hmm. fact that what I'm doing is unhealthy. Same in this situation. You can ignore, come up with a bunch of excuses why you should have the right to kill someone. But at the end of the day, it's still a human life. And by definition, if you're taking, if you're willingly taking someone's life away, that is the definition of murder, which yep. I am curious to hear your perspective on how do you think of how it should be enforced. Let's say for Colombia's situation, going back to the story in Colombia, mm-hmm. what do you think is an appropriate uh, penal code, if you will, or appropriate punishment for someone who actually goes through with an abortion procedure for the scenario, you think? Um, whatever their punishments are for murder, it should... In general, though, too, what do you think should be... Let's say Pennsylvania tomorrow comes out with a law stating you know they're going to ban all abortions what kind of enforcement would you like to see and what kind of should you think do you believe they should receive jail time do you think it's the doctors who perform the abortion just receive jail time or do you think both the doctor and the mother you know what i'm saying yeah doctor for sure doctor for sure um i i have issue with this because i think in that time where women make this decision they i think oftentimes they feel alone And I think where we should start is, okay, ban all abortions, give these women support, make support for them more available, whether that's like talking to somebody like a psychologist or like a priest or a pastor, like there should just be, and I do know that there are shelters for women who decide to keep the baby and have the baby that they can go and there are there's a bunch of different fundraisers for them and they're given like a place to stay and there I believe are nurses there to help take care of the babies and 
so I think you should you should start there. But punishment wise, if after all of that, they still decide to go through with it after they get the proper help and support that they may need, and they still decide to do it. Oh, I don't even know. Uh, what is our is is it jail for life when you murder? It depends. Um, which. Actually, in regards to life in prison or anything like that, the max is 25 years, I think, actually. Okay. So when someone gets sentenced for life, it's actually 25 years. And that's why you'll hear scenarios where, you know, double time or something like that, like they get charged for murder or they have to serve like longer than that so they can cover past their lifetime, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense myself, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But I don't know what the, but as far as the how it would be enforced in general. Like I'm in the same ball field as you in the sense that I think there definitely needs to be an emphasis on providing resources for mm-hmm. women um, and families in general, which again, that's something the pro-life will actually talk about and they'll actually bring up versus the pro-choices. They'll say, well, we have all this broken systems. Therefore we yeah. just, we want to keep abortion. Right. But they won't talk about, ways to improve the system that mm-hmm. they claim that's broken <laughs> exactly and, and it's like all right well how about we compromise then let's ban abortion and let's address the issue and, and they'll say no we want abortion still which mm-hmm. i've actually brought this up before in the sense that if you ban abortion then that will force not only our politicians but the people with within our own society to address those broken systems we'll be forced to actually talk yes. about these things mm-hmm. we'll be talked about all the things that pro-abortion advocates will talk will say that needs to be fixed, that's not fixed, and justify, you know, having an abortion or anything like that. Well, if you want that fixed, let's force the conversation by banning abortion. Then, But uh, they won't do it. But what I was going with that, though, is that I think in regards to punishment and everything like that, I'm kind of in the gray area, but I'm kind of more in the ball field of, like, I don't agree with people who get charged with uh, drugs and they get a felony, for example, mm-hmm. for possession of drugs, especially if they clearly have an addiction problem, I believe instead of se- sending them to jail, they should get some kind of rehabilitation mm-hmm. uh, centers and treatment. I think for women who go through that, I think it should be something similar, maybe. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. This is like something, though, like I don't think we've really dealt with, especially here in the United States, um, which I found the colombian penal code interesting how they can go up to jail up to 54 months which gosh i can't i think that's about four a little over four and a half years maybe yeah. i want to say mm-hmm. so that's a good time but you would you could also make the argument though too that they did premeditatedly kill another human being yeah. therefore they should fall under that murder you know yeah like for life sentence and everything like that which I think when abortion, with abortion in particular, that's a little bit more tricky than a typical murder case, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And again, it's like difficult for me because if I try to put myself in that position of that girl who is going through this, I like I, I could see how like that's an easy way out. Like then you don't have to worry about it. But then, but like think about the just just always think about the life that you're creating because i feel like if 
if you just think about the miracle inside of you, how how can you think, yes, any, it would be better to take away this life than figure it out. And I think a lot of what's wrong is that people don't know how to figure it out. You, you know, I just feel like let's just take the easy way out and then I don't have to worry about it. And right. instead of let me think of a plan, let me think about how what I can do to in order to let this human live. So, but again, like I empathize. Em- empathize. Empathize, yeah. you got it. <laughs> I empathize because if I were in that position, especially a young girl, like uh, growing up in a Catholic family, if I ever got pregnant, I that would probably be the hardest conversation to ever have in my life. So, like I said, I I get where that could be the easy way out. But Yeah, and I personally have experience not with abortion obviously, mm-hmm. but I was in an unhealthy relationship at the time and the person I was with, we had unprotected sex and she basically manipulated me into believing abortion was the best way to go about it. And in order for me to make her happy, in order for her to be happy again, like I had to be open up, had to open up to this idea. And I think mm-hmm. the pro-abortion advocates kind of going back a little bit back to the male perspective and how I should shut up. Apparently they tend to forget that we have a say in the manner as well. And sometimes it's the mm-hmm. man that can pressure the woman to have an abortion or yeah. vice versa. And it could really have psychological effects afterwards where like myself to this day it still haunts me that at one point in my life I opened up to the idea of killing yeah. my own child just because someone else found it inconvenient basically to have mm-hmm. a kid which I guess that's like my final thoughts really it's just yeah um I mean as far as the enforcement of abortion and the how that would actually look like in case someone was caught doing an abortion procedure, I think first and foremost, we have to look, go back to the history books and see how it was, how it was before Roe v. Wade and how states did it in particular. Um, And as far as Colombia and what's going on in Latin America, like CNN, ABC news are celebrating as far as this shift in paradigm, despite the fact they're predominantly Catholic as if that's a terrible thing. Uh, (laughs) That's, I mean, again, I don't, I will, I'm going to go back to what I said in my episode Wednesday. Like, do not let your faith um, – don't be ashamed of your faith, really. Because like I said, if non-religious people can bring in the perspectives and make the argument based on non-religious – on their non-religious beliefs, then so can we. Yeah. We're, it doesn't mean – you know, take what we say with a grain of salt, but don't dismiss it just because we have that religious bias. And it's a sad day. In reality of what's going on in Colombia, six months, like you mentioned early on, that's a long time. Yeah. That's a <laughs> that's that's way that's beyond the point of you know heartbeat. I think at that point, like you can oh limbs. I'm pretty sure at six months, limbs or at least like what you way you know your gender way before six months. So like most of the time the couple or the woman knows the gender at this point they went to the doctor Mm -hmm. 
Like, that's how far advanced we are at this stage. Yeah. Six months is a long time, which luckily in the United States, I think conservatives are winning the argument that it shouldn't go at least the first trimester, at least. Yeah. Now, as far as the abolitionists like myself, it sounds like you're kind of falling in that category, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the very, very minority. But the abolitionists who, who wanted to end slavery were also in the minority, and they turned out to be yep. <laughs> on God's right side. So with that said, though, um, it's don't be caught. And I keep saying this over and over again, because you're hearing this a lot more on the conservative side, you know, be on the right side of history and everything like that. Don't focus on being on the right side of history, especially what's going on in Colombia, because being on the right side of history normally entails who's in power. Instead, focus and make sure you're on the right side of God. And if you're on the right side of God, in the end, God will bring justice to these atrocities and sin that's occurring in our world, especially what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and Ukraine. Um, God forbid what I said earlier as far as my tinfoil hat moment talking about the biological labs in Ukraine is real. But if that's the case and everything like that, God will bring a way to bring that to light. He has Mm -hmm. and always will. And I think right now it's important for us to look past the noise that the media wants us to focus on from both the Colombian story and the Russia-Ukraine. Look past the noise and... Make up your own mind in the situation. Mm-hmm. But those are my final thoughts for this segment. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, well, you mentioned God, and I guess I'll leave with this. I did want to say one more thing about just you being a male and speaking on this topic. Not for nothing. It takes two people to make a life. So oh yeah, female can't do it on her own. So <laughs> therefore, men, I think, have a say. Because although the woman is carrying it and she – it. You know what I'm saying, but got it. <laughs> the man uh, obviously takes part because life could not be made without a man and a woman. And this isn't a science class. I'm not going to go into it, but basic knowledge right there. But I think the last thing I want to say on this topic is you mean you bring up a great point of being on the right side of God. And I just think in a general sense, God is not in enough conversation at all. In, in the world in general, like not just in politics, but just in everyday life, like when it comes to just things like mental health and stuff, God is not a part of the conversation. And I think that's where a lot of the downfall starts, like bring God back in the conversation. And I think you'll see a lot of changes. And I think that's where I'll, I'll leave it with that. Well, in that case, Nikki, you really should listen to my last episode because I really, literally talk about that. I know. I definitely have to. It's been <laughs> such a busy week for me. But as you kept bringing it up, I was like – and I saw you post about it and I was like, I just did not have time this week. Uh, I was so busy. And it's busy, actually but... like your normal like 30, 40 minutes, something you actually would like to listen to. Oh, so okay. So two-hour log, <laughs> everything like that. But anyways, all right, folks. Uh, we'll be back with a short break. Stay tuned. And now to take a short break from the show to keep my promise and bring in awareness to the situation in Afghanistan, where we have about 9,000 American citizens who were left behind as a result of the disastrous withdrawal efforts by the Biden administration last year. The elite globalist leaders, the media, and big tech may have forgotten about them and would rather focus on other manners 
But the reality is we have Americans who are in harm's way because nobody wants to hold our leaders accountable. It's just too inconvenient for them. So this is a special shout out to the families and friends who have someone they know and love stuck in that country and also to the very ones who are stuck there. You are not forgotten. And I'll keep mentioning you until there is a report, there is a concentrated effort to bring you home and every single one of you comes back to American soil. Please, if you fall into one of these categories, either you're the family friend and know someone that's there and you want to let me know how we can better help you out, please reach out. Or if you're that person that just so happens to be stuck there and you happen to be listening to this episode, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me through my personal account on Instagram at Kenjin296. I repeat, Kenjin296. Spell the word engine. Put the letter K in front of the word engine, then you get Kenjin, one word, 296. Please, you are not forgotten. Uh, to my audience out there, don't forget to pray. Let's pray for their safety and their return home. And now, back to the show. in school there is a big big focus on the color of your skin How and my children. children my children are now uh, 16 and 13 okay, in what it's, way? it's been going on since they were in lower school sure. all right and it is that there are affinity groups on campus for my, my, my son's first best friend was a little african-american boy they were in separable mm-hmm. get to a certain age they start having what's called an affinity group which means you go for lunch and pizza with people who look like you Suddenly, my son wasn't hanging out with him anymore. Why are we even teaching that the color of the skin matters? Because to me, what matters is your character and your values. Yes, but you know, you live in the United States. You know that color of skin has been mattering to people. Can't we change it that it well, doesn't? We, we need white people to step up and do that. But I think that we they've been doing that since the Civil War. And no, I'm not saying no, it's perfect. No, 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 they, they haven't. No, NBC did not encourage this. They did not force this. This has been on my mind. I've been waking up every day with a palpable pull at my gut that uh, my side, my view, my my middle ground kind of moderate viewpoint is not being represented yeah. to the rest of the world, I didn't feel. And, um, and so rather than, you know, just banging it out on Twitter or Instagram every day, I thought, I've got to do something. I have benefited greatly from the American dream, and I feel like for the sake of my kids and because I so love this country, I've got to start giving back. And it breaks my heart that my kids are being taught that skin color matters. And to me, if you want white people to step up, I was stepping up when I addressed the school and said, why are we having these picnics for families of color? Why are we separating our kids? If the world is integrated, let's continue that and, and, and have everyone find out what we all have in common, not just what we have in common with people who look like us. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for this final segment of Taboo Topic. I am your host, Ken Drew, joined by Nikki from Red Girl in a Blue World where she's actually in a very red world right now. Yes. So she's not, she's a red girl in a red world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which is weird because it's not like I wouldn't mind having liberals come on my show and talk to me, but none of them that I've reached out to have taken up on my offer. Yeah. So for right now, it's an echo chamber. Okay. <laughs> I did have my best friend come in once though, and he's very liberal. And oh, I say okay. when I say liberal, he follows that stereotypical left. Uh, he believes he's an LGBTQ ally. He's okay. a socialist agnostic, uh, white, uh, blonde. (laughs) I could make a list. I love you, Matt. Don't worry. Uh, that's my, that's his name, but (laughs) which we call it. But, uh, I bring him, I brought him on just to kind of show people like you can have polar opposite points of views and you could still get along with that person and your political beliefs will not affect your relationship, which he and I were basically brothers. So yeah, um, I agree with that. I'm not sure if you're gonna if you plan on having a liberal guest anytime soon, but I, I got one person who actually is a teacher as well. So oh. yeah, Matt's also a teacher. He teaches at our old high school uh, film. So okay. Uh, hopefully, whenever I do decide to start my YouTube channel, whenever that is, I will pick his brain to help me with my setup. So yeah, not to get too off track, but. Do you have any first – I'm going to change it up a little bit, actually. Do you have any first thoughts to this story that I'm about to go over with you? Not not at the moment. You take it away, and I'll, I'll follow your lead. Awesome. All right. So let's do the first take on the story, the synopsis. Uh, let me see. Uh, so if you watch sports – are you into sports, Nikki? Yes, I am. It depends on the sport, but, yeah, I'm pretty into sports. So what sports are you into? I like football. I I like hockey sometimes. I like it more in person, as with any sport. But I like watching watching hockey more in person. I like I like watching really any sport. But like, am I into it? Where I could name like the starting five of like every team on the NBA? No, but I enjoy watching them. All right. So, what are your teams? Is it the uh, New York Giants by any chance? It's not. No. No, no. Not the Giants. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan in football when it comes to football. And then, well, Pittsburgh in like any sport. And then basketball, I don't really have a team because Pittsburgh doesn't have a team. <laughs> All right. So this particular story goes gets into the football world. So hopefully you find it interesting um, into the audience. So we hope you find it interesting as well. <laughs> Um, actually, hold up. Let me actually ask this question because I normally do this in every episode for Weekend Review, but I totally forgot. It went right by my mind. But <laughs> to my audience members and to your audience who's coming into the show, how was your week this week? Let me know through the social media platforms I mentioned. Nikki, how was your week this past week? And then we'll get into the story. Okay. I'll, I'll be quick. My week was extremely busy. I'm student teaching. I am doing my podcast on the side. So hobby. And when I have to choose between my schoolwork, my lesson planning, or my podcast, the thing I want to do most is my podcast. So that's where most of my time goes, which then puts me behind on everything else. And I'm getting to the point in my student teaching where I'm like completely taking over the classroom and like becoming the full-time teacher. So there's been a lot of work that needs to be done that I have kind of pushed away that I now need to do so it's been a bit of a stressful week the most stressful week for me since I've started this last semester of school but it's good it helps me with my time managing so 
all in all, it's been good. It's been it's been good. I have no negatives besides the stress that I've been under. But how about you? How was your week? My week was pretty good for the most part. Um, I am a boring person, so I definitely I just do go to school. I've been going to the gym a lot more lately because uh, I, I need to lose some weight. I got the dad bod going, so <laughs> uh, so that's yeah, been really good. It's actually I downloaded this app that actually tells you like what my workout is going to be for the day, and that's been really helpful for oh, me. That's, yeah. So um, and also been eating healthier after my conversation with my dietitian about a couple weeks ago. So uh, hopefully I just got to stay with it. That's what everyone keeps telling me. Just yes. stay with it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so really, I mean, my week's pretty boring. And then obviously got, I'm doing this and that's boring too. So um, unless you like politics like myself. But anyways, all right. So let's actually get to the story. So a well-respected sideline reporter decided to hang it up from NBC following from the Super Bowl in pursuit of helping with a campaign. Are you aware of this story by any chance? Uh, a little bit. A little All bit. Right. All right. So she is going, she announced her new job as a campaign co-chair for GOP gubernatorial candidate Kendall Qual, her home state of Minnesota. When she was on Tucker Carlson, she explained her decision to move by saying, this has been on my mind. I've been waking up every day with a palpable pull at my gut. My middle ground, moderate point of view is not being represented to the rest of the world. And so rather, you know, just bang it out on Twitter or Instagram every day. I thought I've got something to do. I've benefited greatly from the American dream. And I feel like for the sake of my kids and because I love this country, I've got to start giving back. She said on an interview with Tucker Carlson, which he also asked her if she was concerned about, re about her reputation and pushback, which she responded with, I don't care if I'm attacked. I really am not afraid of that. And I guess I feel like so many people are now afraid. Yeah, I'm not. And I'm not. And I'm not. Listen, I know there are repercussions for whatever I choose to say. And I've talked to my kids at school about it. Please. And I told them, please don't hold against my kids. I'm speaking for me. I'm speaking for my family. But please don't hold it against my kids. Now, she's also made headlines earlier during the NFL season when she went on The View, the echo chamber on that show, uh, criticizing critical race theory and having the audacity to suggest people should be judged on their content of their character, not their skin color. What a monster. But... Uh, she made it very clear, too, that it was her decision and nobody from NBC forced her to leave. And weirdly enough, it, synopsis down or anything like that, I totally forgot to mention her name. Her name is, give me one second before I go. See, even I have human moments, too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, her name is Michelle Fabriola, I think. Her, I can't pronounce her name to save my life, to be honest. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so it's Michelle Tafoya, I think. T-A-F-O-Y-A. If you know how to pronounce pronunciate that, by all means, pronounce it. Gosh, I can't speak English all of a sudden. <laughs> Let me know. Anyways, so my first take on the story. This is actually refreshing to hear and see, and that's why I picked this story to be the last thing. I think it's a more positive story. Um, this is someone who recognized... That if she wanted to have a conversation about a social issue she was passionate about, 
she didn't do it at the workplace. All right. She wasn't like a person who worked at Burger King, for example, and say, you know what, I'm going to start lecturing the customers about the social issues about our time and uh, how our institution is racist, right? So along those lines, she didn't lecture to the audience at any point, which in her case would have been to the left since she clearly leans more to the right. Instead, she went on to an environment where she could accomplish something she felt was needed. Something that gave her purpose, you know, which I can imagine seeing what her kids are going through with the checking off the boxes metaphorically and then her kids being separated on their race. Yes, you heard that right. That was something she brought up during the view, which, again, the audacity to say that no one should be doing that and that shouldn't be allowed in schools. What a terrible person for even suggesting that. But I don't know the political landscape of Minnesota. But I do know there is a red awakening swooping across the U.S. thanks to Joe Biden. If there is a silver lining to Joe Biden being president, uh, that's the silver lining. It's making people realize that these ideas don't work and they're not practical. But uh, with the Democrats and Biden being controlled the last few years, it's just good timing to get involved, I think, for her. Especially that state where in 2020, that was literally the epicenter of the whole defund the police movement as a result of the death of George Floyd. I should also mention, since everybody cares these days, the Republican she's supporting is black. His entire family, mm-hmm. again, it's not like I want to bring this up, but people care these days. Yeah. So, uh, his, Which in his case, uh, someone in the minority community for his position, that's a small world. In fact, Nikki, they are he is a blue black man, or not blue, a red black man in a blue world, blue community. Wow. All right? <laughs> wow, look at him go. <laughs> I know. Uh, so am I technically with being minority and Hispanic and everything like that, yeah. Hebrew and white. But um, in especially the Hispanic community, there's been a shift more to the right. Um, when you look at Florida as well, uh, as a matter of fact, if it weren't for the Hispanics in Florida, Trump would have not done so well in mm-hmm. Florida because majority are Cubans and they don't like the rhetoric coming out of the Democrats' mouth and concerning uh, the just embrace of socialism and Marxism as a whole. But uh, it won't be long, though, before I'm not in a blue world <laughs> in that community. But uh, in Trudeau's words, he is a fringe minority. Now, for the candidate, he'll be called many things and the racial slurs are fair game now because he's batting for the wrong team mm-hmm. which i find it fascinating the side to be that claims to be anti-racist would say these things yep. it's like their true colors come out when that whenever people don't agree with them anyhow my prayers are with her and her candidate and the candidate the red tsunami is coming yeah i'll be betting on a pack of oreos right now on this show <laughs> That November this year will be a great night if you represent Team Red. Yeah. Nikki, your thoughts? Um, for me, first thought is props to this woman, like to step out of her job to do this and support this man in his campaign. I think it's fantastic, especially for her to just stand up for her political beliefs. I think that's great. And like in my personal experience, now that I've started this, I've come to realize that there are so many more red people than I originally thought. My name is a little misleading in a way because I 
did not realize how many people there were. And I, through like DMs I've gotten, I realized that there are many people who were in the same position I was like a month and a half ago where they didn't think there was many other people out there, but there are. So I wanted to say that. And you also start talking about how everyone on the left will now call this man all of these slurs and everything. And I just wanted to point out that they'll support you and advocate for you until they don't agree with you or you don't agree with them. I mean, until, until you disagree with anything they stand for, they'll advocate for you. But the second you disagree, they total 180 switch. They don't support you anymore. So I think what this woman is doing is great. And I love that we're ending on this note because I just think it's a really positive note, really encouraging note as well, um, because she left what she was doing to help support this guy in his campaign. So I think it's overall just a really, really great thing. And like you said, I really think November is going to be great. But want to point out, don't forget the primaries either, because those are important, too. <laughs> Well, I think, like I said a moment ago, I think it's really good, too, that it's refreshing for me to see that someone recognized where her voice felt like it wasn't being represented, Mm -hmm. and that was not the environment to do it, like Colin Kaepernick did with Mm -hmm. his situation, which it's funny how that whole narrative has switched to now he's being blackballed, and now the NFL is this terrible place, even though they get Mm -hmm. paid millions of dollars to play a game, but Uh, but it goes to show you where if you feel like your voice is not represented and you want to make tangible change from your perspective, yep. then there are other environments you can get yourself involved in. You don't have to do it at the job that you're, mm-hmm. where your primary focus is not to be political. Yeah. And her situation, I think it's really cool that she gave up a seven-figure digit salary, mm-hmm. basically, to do this. And it kind of shows you just how much a parent will go through to make sure their kids are growing up or they'll do whatever they can to protect the freedom so their kids can experience yep. the same opportunities and liberties that they experience in their lifetime, which mm-hmm. uh, Ronald Reagan, I mean, he made a wo- wonderful speech once concerning about freedom, how it's never just a generation away from being yes. extinguished. Uh-huh. And if we want to protect freedom, then we have to, we have to protect it at all costs and, you know, so we don't ever have to get into that situation where we're telling mm-hmm. our kids or grandchildren, like, yeah, so I remember back in my day oh. when we could do this. <laughs> I hope I hope it doesn't get there ever. No, but um, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think it's also good that she, I mean, it shows her character too to kind of acknowledge like this was her decision and mm-hmm. that it wasn't forced upon her to leave, yeah. which, um, I found that refreshing too, as far as because you hear all these stories like Gina Carano last year with the whole Disney situation mm-hmm. over a tweet, how she got canceled over that. And or, you know, Donald Trump, even where he made one tweet after January 6th and then Jack Dorsey is like, yeah. nope, pulling the plug from you. Yep. And, you know, people are being forced into making decisions and they have to give up their livelihoods. This person willingly made the decision. So, yeah. you know what? I don't agree with what's going on, but I think the best way I can use my voice is in by going to this place here. Yeah. Which I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen in Minnesota. I know, historically speaking, Minnesota's kind of done its own thing. Um, they're kind of a weird state in that regard. <laughs> yeah. 
but um, there's definitely going to be attacks. And I, I can speak someone as who's a minority as well, that it's been hard for me to talk about conservative issues among my community, especially Hispanic community when I was living in San Antonio, which San Antonio in particular Mm -hmm. is very blue. Um, I remember getting, I remember when I had conversations with someone, they would just look at me and go, but aren't you Hispanic? As if, oh my God. Just by the fact that I'm Hispanic, yeah. that alone should determine my political beliefs oh as if I'm gosh. not capable of independent thought. But it also kind of gets into the idea that the racist, the side never changed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just their approach has just been different. Yeah. And it's just a lot more subtle now. Yep. Well, yeah, more subtle towards the minority it- community. They're very blatant racist towards white people, and I don't yeah. like that either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, despite the fact she's supporting a, some a black candidate, she's still going to be somehow be labeled a white supremacist. Yeah. which she's the worst white supremacist. If that's the case, <laughs> really, honestly. Uh, and uh, you mentioned like parents advocating for their kids, and I think a lot of times, if you are more towards the left when you're younger, I feel like once you have kids and like you're not just thinking like for yourself i think a a lot of times that's where like parents may switch or like adults may switch from like blue to like purple which maybe will turn them red eventually um but like i everything of what she's doing is fantastic and like you said prayers go out to her and her candidate i i think big things are going to happen for them Especially now that her name is out there with all of this. Yes, for sure. Um, that's how you do it, folks. <laughs> Not, don't, <laughs> don't listen to Colin Kaepernick, which, yep. by the way, side note, if someone's praising Fidel Castro like Kaepernick did, he is not someone to take seriously as far as someone who understands oppression. Just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of wraps up our thoughts. It sounds like we just get, kind of gave our final thoughts to the s- story, but it was a good note. Uh, yeah. Nikki, thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. And by all means, you're always welcome to come back. And uh, not bad for cold turkey for someone who's for <laughs> two people who've never met each other before. Yeah. Thank so. you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation, like 100%. And I definitely learned a lot from you. So I really appreciate that as well. So thank you. No problem. With that said, folks, I'll be back after this short break, but you can say goodbye to Nikki. But I'll be back. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Welcome back to Taboo Topic, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Ken Drew. Thanks again for tuning into today's show. Nikki, you did great. I know you were nervous going into this, but I got a secret to share. I was a little nervous too, so... I appreciate you coming on the show, and by all means, you're always more than welcome to. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can always check her episodes out every Thursday. It comes out once a week. With that said, until next time, everyone, God bless.